This morning I'll be reading from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the NIV. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot, but you can cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the word of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he je- jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Hum- Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Brent. I am. Um, I didn't... Um, expect my comments yesterday to, to necessarily follow, um, carry over in today. I know that, that that's a challenge, one that we need to, um, to personally um, look at ourselves and, and think, how can we, um, can we improve in our worship and things like that? Um, yesterday was, I wouldn't say an outlier, but I am. It, it is not the norm for most churches anywhere that you're at. Yesterday was a special day, and it is important to have those moments that sort of set a new standard on what the expectations are for praise and celebration, um, but to also find how beautiful this moment is as well. Um, I, I, I appreciate and I love our church family. I'm excited to see um, some new faces choose to be a part of us and um, some visitors with us today. Um, we have an opportunity to continue to um, to speak of the things that we've seen and been a part of, um, and, to, and to keep some of those close to our hearts. Talk about the heart um, this morning. It's very personal. It's very personal. Um, it's 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 a personal discussion and, and a challenge for me um, to deliver a message to you today that um, that talks about your heart, because I don't I don't necessarily know where your heart is this morning. I know um, how some of our youth have been challenged this morning. We talked about marriage and, and the heart of, um, of marriage and relationships and prioritizing important decision-making. Um, so, uh, so I know what some of you are thinking about or have thought about today. I know what our classes for our adults and our kids, what the structure of those classes we're discussing today. But I don't know what's on your heart. And for us to respond in worship to our community, to each other, Heart matters. Heart matters. And if our heart isn't in it, we'll be exposed pretty quickly on what, um, what is most important in our lives. We, we talked about that with our youth. If your heart isn't in your marriage, um, marriages will get exposed pretty quickly. Even Christian marriages will get exposed pretty quickly to this culture and to this world. If your heart isn't in your work, at your job, you'll be exposed pretty quickly to your boss and where your priorities are. 
And then the longer we're around each other, we know each other's hearts pretty well. We can see the indicators and we can kind of notice the responses over the years on how, how warmly we react to each other or how actively we pursue each other or how often we attend together. Those, those, those kind of things are indicators of our hearts. And so, um, so uh, preemptively to the invitation, um, I'm offering the invitation early today. Um, if you need to check your heart, um, we have that opportunity. If you're struggling... And, and, and we, know, we know when we struggle, and sometimes we don't, we don't talk about it, right? You can see the indicators. Um, my, my heart is broken this morning. Um, we, had a, we have a staff member from camp who is fighting for her life in a hospital. The details I'm, full, I'm not fully aware of, but I know it's because of brokenness. And what's, what's, what's hard to see is that we can walk together and assume everything is okay in each other's lives until something happens that shows us, to a, to a response in their life shows us that things aren't okay. And we could sit here today and many of us be in anguish of the things we need to deal with in our lives. And this is a safe place for that anguish. This is an opportunity, a safe place for us to respond. Success and failure, there's not a lot separating the two. We, we are faced with decisions and, and in this, um, and the failures of faith series that we're in right now, um, choosing success or failure really depends on where your heart is. Last week we talked about the failure to believe in greatness and to see ourselves as a creation of God, someone that God created for a specific purpose. And at some point in your life, that purpose being clear to you and you responding in your life in a godly manner. That the age of accountability, whenever we decide or you come to a place where you understand a response is necessary to an invitation. But maybe... It's to rededicate yourself as an adult or someone later on in life. To look back at our marriage and say, we should do better. To look back at our relationships. To look in the eyes of your children and say, I haven't done this exactly right. Failure and success, we're faced with that opportunity. We're faced with that challenge daily at times. And it could get heavy. It could feel like... Um, there's no end in sight, and we don't know how to, how to, um, how to respond or what to do. Um, we can be very critical of ourselves, um, even about little things. Um, Laura Beth is in the nursery, and um, without her, I came up here with my sunglasses on like I'm going to the beach for call to worship. <laughs> you know, it takes a village for me. I need constant reminders to make sure that I'm dressed and ready to go, and then, you know, I'm appropriate in the places where I'm at. It takes a village, church. And, and for me, I, I'm ultra-critical. I'm walking up and I'm thinking, oh, I have my sunglasses on. What are people going to think? <laughs> you know? If I let that dictate my day, I could, I could be a failure for, for the simplest of reasons, for the littlest of things. I want to read a verse. This is a verse that, um, that my son Grayson is going to be in, um, part of this verse, all school year. Um, the boys started school um, last week, and they, their teachers sent some of their um, information about their passages that they're going to focus on and things like that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? If we're going to carry over anything from yesterday, a few amens would be nice, right? With them, you're good. Continue. Verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
According to Christ, success and failure, it's a different set of rules. And the laws in which we operate by here in our community, in our world, do not apply to success in Jesus Christ. And how you understand how other people live and the way in which you think they should be subject to the law of Jesus Christ and to the cross, it may not even matter what your understanding is, but to how their heart applies a relationship to God's laws and God's rules, to the word of God. We can walk together in fellowship, and we're focused on that this year. I'm excited that his success and failures in his life are going to be dictated by spiritual laws and rules set by our Heavenly Father, because our world, context to relationships, or context to cultural norms, and it just doesn't sound like it makes sense here in this world, that's okay, because we're not operating by the same laws. And success and failure determine how you are in step with the Spirit and the laws found in the Word of God. It is that simple, church. And as we come from a nation of life and confidently saying, Nita was in the right place with God. She was in step with the Spirit, and she walked in her life in a way in which honored God. You know how I know that? Because this place is full of people who were willing to celebrate that fact. They weren't here because Nita was famous, or she was rich, or she was influential, because we're good, but God's greater, and God's good all the time, right? And so failure to follow your heart, it's not our heart, but God's heart that we should be following. If we're good because God is great, then our heart is good because God is good. But our hearts aren't always in the right place all the time. And the book that um, I'm pulling this quote from, from, from Upside Down Spirituality, Chad Bird says, The hazard of following the heart arises when the criterion becomes the deciding factors behind our decision. When our heart trumps every other element in the decision-making process. When our heart is the most important thing. It's a hazard. It's a problem. It puts us in perilous situations when we allow our heart to decide what truth is, when we allow our heart to decide what direction we're going, when we allow our heart to tell people. Because our hearts, our hearts are hard to tame. The heart desires what the heart wants. And if it's being fed by the world, then your heart is going to feed on worldly pleasure. being influential, being rich, being famous, and those things being the reason why your life would be celebrated. And that's the easiest way to find failure in this world. You look at the most influential, influential and popular people in the last four, eight, 12 years, according to election cycles, you're only popular when you're in charge. Four, eight, 12 years, according to Olympic cycles, other stories. No matter who's in charge in politics, no matter who's the most popular in, in, uh, in, um, in our world in music or sports, Christ, he still trumps them all. There's no hazard in following the cross except losing yourself in the process. And if you don't lose your heart to God in the process, then you've gained nothing. So this morning, we'll start in Proverbs chapter 3. Don't forget my teaching, but keep the commands on your heart, for they will prolong 
prolong your life many years and bring you peace, prosperity, love. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Happiness or joy in the world can be found in peace and prosperity and be written in the word of God, lived out in the life of Jesus Christ. You will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. We're talking about following the heart and we're seeking joy and happiness in our life as we should, church. Sin and death have been conquered. We are free in Christ to live in the blessings of being called like Christ, the Christian. And the benevolence of the church and the fellowship of believers and the edification that we have together and how that pours out into our community. Pass. Go to school, get an education, get a job, and make the right choices. Follow your heart in your relationships, however you deem worthy, however you see fit, and do the things that make you happy will be success in our world. Take as much money and success and fame as you can and keep it in your house. Allow it to build up to such a point that you will be the envy of all people. And that will make your path straight. That will make you worthy or holy. And those are lies. Health, wealth, prosperity, and relationships, and love, and all those things. Come in Christ at a these. Um, and I think these will give you a, a, a good understanding of where to place your heart. Some things to pursue, some things to do to give you some direction, a path straight to God's heart and freedom in Christ. Pursue the spirit of God, kindle the love of God, awaken the power of God, and rest in the peace of God. If you do these things, you will find joy. It may not be in prosperity. It may not be on dollar signs. It may not be on likes and social media. None of those things. But these things will give you joy, a joy that will last forever. So we're going to pursue the, spirit, this, pursue the Spirit's activity. Sometimes our mental health can be one of those. Without the fellowship and edification of those around us, we can reap destruction from within because of worry and self-doubt and fear. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Sows to the Spirit. Whoever is in step or walking with the Spirit or is casting their seeds, their possessions, their, their goods, their spiritual goods in front of the Spirit. If we think about the good soil and what can reap destruction in our world, there are a lot of things that can spring up and choke out a young plant. There's a lot of reasons why seeds won't take root. But in the spirit, we can reap eternal life. Used to be in our fellowship, especially people who share in experiences together, where the rumor is full, but even when we're here in a small group, especially those people, especially those people here in this culture and around the world who share in the like-minded faith that we have but also all people, not just Christian people. All people deserve that opportunity. All people deserve the example.
For us this morning, to sow the Spirit means step, taking steps to put yourself in the way of the Spirit's activity. In your relationships, in your marriages, in your jobs, in all the things you have going on in the world. And all the things that you want to reap a reward from being in step in the Spirit's activity. Maybe they have a large cross that they wear around their neck or maybe one tattooed on their arms. Maybe that's it. I think one of the ways we see people in the Spirit's activity is they kindle the love of God. They kindle the love of God. In doing so, they set on fire and they inspire others to be godly, to be like Christ. And not just the big things, but in all things, they're a light to the world. In, in 1 John chapter 4, we see the love of God explained here by John, and I, and I love it. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, knows, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We talked about being part of that greatness. We are born, but maybe lacking spirit. God, everyone who knows Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We talk about a spiritual law that we lose track of in our world. Love comes from God and God is love. If you're going to love someone, you need to love them like God is love. Through God's greatness. Through love described in scripture. And the way that you love someone does not, um, does not show God's love. It's not love. It's the world's love. Maybe you love someone by buying them gifts. That's nice. And that is a law, a spiritual law, that our world is losing track of. That we ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, to be good, to kindle light and love to our community, because we love God and God loves us. Because we're unlovable without God at times. And because we can't explain what we understand, because we haven't seen it, but we believe in it, and we're loyal to that faithfulness. Let love, let the love you have for God ignite joy in the lives of those he has created. Let the love you have for God ignite joy in the lives for those who he has created. Especially the fellowship of believers, but to all people. Ignite joy, because God is good, and he's greater than me. Awaken the power of God. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We want to be straight in our paths. We want to make the right decisions. Your word helps us do those things. Your word lightens, awakens us to a path that maybe we haven't seen before or makes more clear the path. I have a flashlight that my boys gave me for Father's Day, and you, when you turn it on, it can be a, a dim light, and then it can cycle through a, a couple of different um, um, intensities of brightness. And there are times where I don't want to wake everybody in the building or maybe I'm trying to get around somewhere and I'll use that dim light and it allows me to see where I need to go. But sometimes I need that bright, distinct light to shed light on a path that I've never been on before. The Word of God is just that. It is the light to all our decisions, all our paths. The Word of God should be the spiritual law that guides us into those places. What's the more, most important decision you're ever going to make? Commit your life to Christ. Becoming a Christian. We talked about that this morning. 
And then there are a number of theories on what number two is, but equally yoked with a, with a spouse to be married to someone is very important. The Word of God helps you find out how to make that most important decision. The Word of God helps you make the decision on who you're going to marry and who you're going to be yoked with. What kind of friends you're going to keep that are going to give you good morals and not corrupt your life. What kind of places you're going to be that, where light is found because darkness is prevalent in our world. The Word is a lamp. We need to be awakened to the joy found in the Word of God. I asked our youth this morning, I said, is, is these, these ideas about marriage from the Word of God, do they seem outdated? Husbands, submit yourself to your wives, or wives, submit yourself to your husband. Does that seem like old-fashioned talk? Our world will try to discredit it and say, no, you should be equal in all those things. I think there's some godly discussion that needs to be had on those matters. But the joy I found in those discussions this morning with our youth is to be able to pull from experience from my own relationship and say, I know I'm loved because my wife sacrifices her life for me and I do for her. That she bears my burdens and I do hers. And she allows me to see the joy found in Jesus Christ because she models Christ in my life. We need to awaken the world to a joy found based in the word of God. And remain faithful and true to that. And then we need to rest in the peace of God. And rest. One of the um, underestimated elements of joy. We don't rest well in our world. We are a driven society. And we say you make hay while the sun shines, right? When you have opportunity. I was watching a commercial during the Olympics and it said payday is every day. Monday is payday. Tuesday is payday. Wednesday is payday. And this person was either doing DoorDash or they were doing something. But every day they were getting paid because their job was paying them every day. And I thought, what an exhausting reality. It's nice to get paid. It's great to put money in the bank account and know you have financial freedom. But payday, church, for those in the fellowship of believers has already been given to you. You have already been rewarded eternal salvation as long as you rest in the peace of God and remain faithful to his word. You don't have to store up for yourselves things in barns and, 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 and earthly wealth and all those accolades and things to make you feel like you've made it. Because in Christ, we're already free from sin and death and we've made it. And our world needs to know that. Because they are restless and being drugged through a reality that is not godly. As you're only as good as your bank account says. And you're only as successful as the opportunities that you take advantage of. And the people that you walk over. To stand on the podium of life and say, I have the gold. How terrible would it be for any of our athletes who are competing at the highest levels in all the world to feel bad about competing? Or maybe getting bronze instead of a silver or a gold. We all receive the gold. We all receive the greatest of rewards for qualifying. If you're a swimmer, for getting in the pool. If you're, if you're a running athlete, for getting on the track. If you're a gymnast, for, 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 for being on the mat. For whatever it is in the, in, 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 in the race that we run, we all receive the reward. 
Psalms 119 in verse 88 says, In your unfailing love, preserve my life, that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. In your unfailing love, preserve my life. Life preservation is one of those outpouring of peace. We want to know when we go to the doctor, they're going to give us a good report. And, we, and we're good to go, right? We want to know when we, um, when we get on the road and we put a, put a direction into our GPS that the path we're going to take is, is free from potholes and free from danger. We want to know that our life is going to preserve, be preserved. And at a certain point, we no longer care about our own lives as much as we care about the lives of our children or our parents or others. And in a worldly standard, this can be a very discouraging reality because the life that we live and the, and the path that we follow is full of potholes and dangers and destruction. And as much as I worry about a youth class talking about marriage, I worry about the class that was separated this morning, the middle school class that wasn't with them, that include my sons, to know that one day, probably this day, what it means to be married is much different than what I believe is true, at least in our world. They're going to be challenged at a much greater level of how to preserve life in their relationships, to obey the statutes of your mouth preserves my life. Rest in the peace of God's unfailing favor. God's unfailing favor. God's unfailing favor through Christ Jesus gives us victory. We are victorious through Christ Jesus, and it's unfailing. God will produce the victory because he already has given the sacrifice. God has paid forward the price. You have received the reward if you just accept it and make the decision to walk in it. Not even perfectly. You don't even have to be good at it sometimes, but you have to stay at it all the time. I'm not always good, but God is much greater than me. And if I find myself yoked, tethered to his word and in a relationship with him, his unfailing favor will follow me all the days of my life. The only fear we should have in our world today is not what can be taken from us on a worldly standard, but losing our faith in God and losing his unfailing favor. To be a disciple of Jesus means to follow his heart instead of our own. That's our one simple truth this morning. To be a disciple of Jesus, we have to follow his heart instead of our own. It is dangerous, it is hazardous to follow our hearts because our hearts are found in the world. And the world can distract us, the world can tell us lies, and the world can get us put in places where we don't belong. But to be a disciple of Jesus means to follow his heart instead of our own. And to be a disciple of Jesus means we have to carry the cross. There's joy found in the cross. And it sounds strange. And I'm not talking about that cross that you wear on your neck or the one that athletes have tattooed or people have tattooed on their body. I'm talking about the one that Jesus bore for our sins. Because your cross contains your shortcomings, your sin, the burden that you have mentally and physically of the poor choices you've made in your life. And those are not yours to bear, but they are a reminder of the love 
and joy of being a believer and a follower of God's spirit, of God's law, of God's will above what the world tells you. Because anyone in this room could walk out into the world and there could be someone facing you in the eye who's a better Christian than you are. They do it better, they sing it better, they pray it better, they live it better, they serve it better, and it doesn't matter because their God is better than them. Because your reality is, through Christ Jesus, you have victory. And even when it feels like a burden on the path of this world to be a Christian or choose to become a Christian because all of my relationships don't fit this model, Start basing your relationships on this model. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will save it. If you're struggling with finding life and finding happiness and finding joy and finding purpose, lose your standard of life according to this world and find it in Christ Jesus. If there's someone in your life who says going to church is a waste of your time, they are wasting your time. You can circle back to those people. But in the meantime, be in fellowship with those who believe. God's love is for all people, but especially those who are believers. And there is a time where we need to be especially with those who are believers. Because they help us carry our cross. In Galatians chapter 6, and we're not going to talk about uh, circumcision per se in here, but as we close this morning, as we close in the passages in Galatians, Paul says, see what large letters I use to write. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. It's all caps, exclamation points, bold. He's went over it three or four times. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are, <clears throat> are trying to compel you to be circumcised. And the only reason they do this is avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Let me break this down in a way that I understand it a little better. If you're trying to impress people by your Christian activity, by your Christianity, and in this, in this way, circumcision was a way that you could show that you were following Christ. Now, circumcision isn't as a popular trend in our religious um, world today. But if you're trying to impress people by how well you sing, how much you give, you're trying to impress people by what a good godly servant you are. And that's more important than walking through life as a crossbearer, as one who struggles at times and needs to talk about that. If, we're, if, our, if our goal this morning is to be at church and to tag it on social media so people know that we are those good people, be careful because your heart is what matters. As we face the invitation this morning, Paul saw in the Galatians, that they needed an eye-opening experience, something to wake them up say, in all caps, as boldly as I can say it, don't get caught up in religious things to make you a religious person. The cross of Christ makes you a religious person. Following Jesus in your perfections and imperfections, not just when you're good and doing the right thing, and you can show to people, look how good of a Christian I am. Did Christ not spend the majority of his ministry turning upside down people's understanding of spirituality? He was persecuted for that. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. 
What counts in the new creation? Peace and mercy to all those who follow this rule to the Israel of God. This spiritual rule, this new law, that what the world says doesn't matter, but what God says lasts forever. What God has done through Jesus Christ. And that sacrifice is where joy and peace are found forever. And that's what I should boast about. In all caps, in, in my life, as loud as I can say it, so that when people come to celebrate my life, they celebrate it because of my Christian walk and my example of Christ. Not because of how influential and affluent and how good I was at playing the game in this world. Because it is a game you will lose. But success and failure is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. So this morning, church, as we're faced with the invitation, realize how helpless you are to secure joy on your own. And once you realize how helpless you are to do it on your own, you will then pursue it with everything that you have in the way in which we should, through the cross of Christ, through the word of God, through the peace found that only God can give. Church, I love you. And I'm excited this morning. You're right, Brent. I could go on for an hour because of that, um, that song that you led. <laughs> when our lives are put into context of what goes on in the world, and as we face celebrating life and being reminded of how important it is to live our lives in a certain way, it does help us see a realization that what is really important, does it not? Funerals do that. Weddings do that. A new birth does that. So this morning, as we still mourn the loss of a loved one, one from the fellowship of believers, I'm going to ask you again, do everything you can to pursue love while we're alive. Tell people you love them. Make right your relationships and honor the relationships that you call love through the, through the love of God and not through the love of this world.